of all, we're going to turn to Habakkuk. And I looked this up on Google how to pronounce it. You can pronounce it Habakkuk or Habakkuk. So whichever one you choose, you, that's the way you can pronounce it. He's a minor prophet. It's in the Old Testament. I think there's like three, ver- three chapters. But in uh, Habakkuk 2.14, it says, it, uh, I'm reading off the New King James Version. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The word knowledge in Hebrew means experience or awareness. Some Bible translations say with awareness. So what that says is when the awareness, when you experience the glory of God, it's going to fill the earth. That's how the glory of God is going to fill the earth. It's through each individual having the glory of God in them. And then when they go someplace, that glory, that kebab just goes in there with them and takes it. And I'm telling you, the world that we're living in today, you better have it. Because you never know what you're going to face. So that is what that means. And I thought it was interesting. In Genesis 2, 9 and 15, I don't think I gave this to him. God speaks of the tree of knowledge to Adam. He told him not to eat of the tree of knowledge. But when Satan tempted Eve, he didn't call it the tree of knowledge. He called it the tree in the middle of the garden. So beware of what you hear and make sure when you hear it, it coordinates with the word of God. Uh, When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge, which Satan just called it the tree in the middle of the garden, they became aware of good and evil. They experienced good and evil. Because, you know, up to that time, they didn't know they were naked. Not that that's evil, but can be. Did they know that? They didn't know it. But after they ate of the tree of knowledge, they experienced. They became aware of it. And um, just as the glory of the Lord is going to fill the earth... We need to be aware of it. We need to experience the heaviness, the weight of the glory of God. And that's not a a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's not a, oh, my Lord, I'm so burned out. No. It's you got the power. You got the glory. You've got the authority to take what God has for you. And so for the earth will be filled with the knowledge they will experience. And it's not head knowledge. It is not head knowledge. It is knowledge that you know in here. It is the knowledge that you know of God. It's the knowledge you know of the word of God. And that's how the glory of God is going to fill the earth. And can we all agree we all need the glory of God to fill the earth? Because Lord knows we've got enough of the evil. So we need to be aware of the glory of God. And I just want to tell you that has absolutely nothing to do with my sermon. It was just something that was in my uh, devotions a week or so ago, and struck me so much. It has nothing to do with the, the message today. So, don't forget about the glory of God, but it has nothing to do with them. Okay. Today, we're going to talk about the red zone. I know some people have no idea what the red zone is. 
I'm going to explain it to you, and I hope it doesn't bore all of you. But I'm going to explain to you about the red zone. Uh, and uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the period of belief. It was the period of the state of being unwilling or unable to believe something. It was the season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was among the, it was the spring of hope. It was the spring of despair. How many of you know where that's from? Tell two cities. Charles Dickinson wrote that in 1859. But does that sound familiar today? Does that sound familiar when you listen to the news or you read the newspaper? So, we are living, sometimes uh, my son always tells me that it's always been that way, I don't know, but we're living in those times of the worst times and the best times. The worst times is if you're out in sin, but the best times is if you're with the Lord. I mean, you have got the opportunity. God is opening it up to all of us. Some people will say they wish we could go back in Peter's time or Paul's time. I believe we're living in the best time. Just think, even when the disciples walked with Jesus, they did not have access 24-7. You have access 24-7. So we should be and doing more than they did when Jesus was here on earth. He prepared them. He's prepared us. And we should be doing more. But you know, when he would um, go up in the morning and go out to pray, they didn't have access to him. When, they send, when Jesus would send the disciples out, they were out there by themselves. They had to depend on what God had told them, but they were out there by themselves. When God sends you, you're not by yourself. You are, have got Jesus and the Holy Spirit right here with you. You have angels going before you to prepare the way. But we don't take advantage. We don't take advantage of what God has given us. We don't take advantage of Jesus, what he did on the cross, and what he did after the cross. Okay, on November the 20th and 22, for all you can go back there, there was a word from the Lord that declared that we are on the verge of one of the biggest spiritual breakthroughs that this town or this church has ever seen. Anybody remember that? Okay, I want to tell you that, and I'm not condemning because if I hadn't wrote down, I may not remember it either. But anyway, what happens sometimes When God brings a word forth, what's the Bible say happens? Satan comes immediately to steal the word. He comes immediately to take it from you. But he, that, that was the word of the Lord on November the 20th and 22. So whenever the word of the Lord comes, you need to somehow be writing it down. Or go back and, and watch it on the videos on, uh, on, uh, Facebook. And write this stuff down and take it into heart because you have, if, when the word comes forth, if you don't do anything with it, the word doesn't go away though. The word stays there till somebody gets that word and takes it forth. Now you may not be the one that gets it and takes it forth, but it's out there and God's word is true and it does not die. It stays there. Well then, on the Friday night after that, it was a prayer meeting. I think there was maybe, I don't know, four of us there or something, five, something. Wasn't too many. 
the word of the Lord came and said, we are in the red zone. Now, on Sunday, he said that we're going to have the biggest breakthrough that we've ever experienced here. On Friday night, he said, we're in the red zone. The red zone is. You know, okay. Before I do the red zone, if you would, I would like for everybody to stand. And do you know how in football, when that team comes out, you know how they act? Everybody knows how they act, and they're just a football team, or they're a basketball team, or they're a hockey team. They have no power, no anything. We are ushering in the presence of the Lord. Jesus is king. He's king. He's mighty. We praise him. We welcome him. We welcome him. We welcome him, Lord. We praise you, God. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can sit down now. Now, you know, when they do that on a team, how long does it last? Sometimes in church, we think if 10 seconds is, oh, my God, are they ever going to quit? Is this reality? I think God is calling us to reality. God is calling us to shape up. And, I'm, you know, it's always back here at me. I just told somebody this morning, I've been in the Word all week. Well, I'm always in the Word. But when I'm in the Word a lot, you can say good morning to me. I'm ready to preach a sermon. I've got texts and scriptures and all. I'm ready to go. That's the way we should be all the time. That is the way we should be all the time. We should be instant in season, out of season. We should be ready to give that person the word of God. Not what we think, but what the word of God says. Okay. 1 Timothy 6 and 12. It says, Fight the good fight of the true faith. He hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. Now, when I told Pastor Rowe, when we talked about the Red Zone, I immediately thought about football. He immediately thought about the Red Sea. He's more spiritual than I am. What can I say? <laughs> I immediately thought about football. You know, when Jesus was here on earth, he used parables. He used metaphors. He used situations that the people would understand what he was saying. When he talked about the sower sowing the seed, he knew there were farmers. We talked about the ten talents, he knew there was finances involved. And when uh, Paul and Timothy, he used the fighting, he used um, boxing and wrestling because he knew the people would know what he was talking about. And they used metaphors all through the Bible. Especially in the New Testament when Jesus was preaching, he used metaphors. Okay, I'm going to use metaphor this morning, it's going to be football. because everything in the natural has a spiritual foundation. And that's why God, that's why Jesus used the metaphors. Everything in the spirit has a physical uh, foundation, uh, you know, natural foundation. And he uses that so you can understand. You know, people talk about the Bible being hard to understand. It is not. It is not. But anyway, uh, I know if you aren't into football, you probably don't know about the red zone. I'm 
probably know just enough to be dangerous, so hang in there. For those who are not, I'm going to explain it. I hope it doesn't bore you too much. The red zone in football is one of the most important areas in the field. Teams who convert in the red zone are more likely to win the football game or to win the spiritual battle. When you're in the red zone, it's the most dangerous place for you to be because Satan's going to come at you with everything he's got. I was hit really hard Tuesday, and I said, oh, dear God, I, I had to preach something, and I don't know if I can do that. Spirit spoke to me and said, you're in the red zone. You're in the red zone, girl. You better, you know, you better get tough. And then all through the week, whenever this would come on me, and anxiety, you know, pastor talks about having anxiety, and anxiety comes on us. And you know what? I don't care how long you've known the Lord. I don't care how spiritual you are. You had the Satan fights you just as much or more sometimes than anybody else, and you've got to learn to fight it. Well, whenever that would come on me in the week, in my spirit, the Lord says, I got it. I've got this. I've got you. And so I had to keep pressing forward. I had to get in the word. I had to get in prayer when I really wanted to go over in the corner and sit down and cry. But you can't do that because you're in the red zone. So and then Saturday, I received a text that was favorable. And I said, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Satan tried to defeat me from Tuesday to Saturday, but because I kept pressing forward to the goal line, I was able to become victorious, and he's going to take care of the whole thing. The red zone, for those who don't know, is the 20-yard line before the end zone. You have offense and defense, or offense and defense, whichever. This area of the field is the most... Teams are likely, and you, there's statistics on how, how many teams win the percentage that score in the red zone. I'm going to say this right now. I hope it's not out of line because it's not in my notes. A lot of people won't remember this. Pastor Teresa will, maybe Tim. If you knew how many times this church has been in the red zone, if you knew how many times Satan has tried to close this fellowship, but he did not succeed. He did not succeed. Okay, uh, it's called the red zone, a danger zone for the defense who must defend against the offense. You have to defend against Satan. You're the offense. He's the defense. He's going to try and push you back, push you back, and push you back. It's a danger zone, which is Satan who's trying to keep you from scoring the victory, and it's a danger zone to the offense, which is you trying to score. And it's hard work. It's hard work. But so rewarding. I tell you one thing, it's not as hard that work as if you give up and go back in the world, because that's really hard. But, you know, sometimes it can be reversed. If you're watching the Bengals and the Ravens game last Sunday night, it was reversed. How many of you were watching the Bengals and the Ravens game? I was. Now, with me being this, I'm not saying the Bengals were the Christians. I'm not saying that. And the Ravens were the sinners. I'm not saying that. Particularly for you Browns fans, I'm not saying that. (laughs) But this was such a good, good lesson. You remember when the Ravens were were getting ready to score? 
If you weren't there, they were getting ready to score. They might have been on the one or two yard line. They were getting ready to score. The Ravens were there pushing. The Bengals were there defending. And I'm going to say that the Bengals were the Christians and the Ravens were Satan. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm just using that as a metaphor. Okay? The Ravens were just inches from scoring. The quarterback got the ball knocked out of his hand. The Bengals guy, his name was Hubbard, caught the, caught the, uh, yeah, there you go, caught the fumble, ran back to the other end zone and scored the touchdown that won the game. How many times have we been on the thing where Satan thought he was going to win and God knocked that ball out of his hand and into our hand and we went on to make a touchdown. We went on to win the game. But you know what? As that Hubbard guy was running, there were people there blocking for him. There were people there helping him defend that ball to get in. And that's what the rest of us for. When we're in that red zone, we're supposed to have a, you and everybody else to come in and help us defend what God is trying to do for us. And he made that touchdown. Now, he, he ran 17.4 miles an hour, which I thought was kind of fast. I was told that's slow because most NFL players can run 20 miles per hour. Now... Do you think that they get there sitting and t- watching TV? Do you think they get there just fiddle-faddling around? But sometimes when we need to run like that spiritually, we have not prepared to get there. And I believe that's what God is saying to us today. We need to get prepared. We need to get in there and fight. Because just like all of these requests, these are all things that people need. And we have to get in there and fight for them. Uh, seven years ago, when Pastor Rowe came here, the church was just about ready to be closed. I think there was, what, 15 or 20 people here and not very many finances. And Satan thought he had us. He was right there pushing. He thought he had us. But God knocked the ball out of his hand, and he spoke to Pastor Magon and said, there's life here. There is life here. And so uh, when they got that word from the Lord, the ball was knocked out of their hand, out of Satan's hands, but the pastor caught the ball, and he started running. He started running for victory. He started running down the other way, and I, there's been many times he's probably been discouraged. There's been many times that probably he looked like it wasn't going to be, but he held on to what God said. He held on to what told Pastor Magon, there's life here. I have a reason for this church to be here, and when he spoke in November about the greatest breakthrough, you have to push. I mean, if you just sit on your chair and do nothing, it's not going to work. You've got to push, and you've got to fight because it is a spiritual battle. Just like the football teams battle against each other, Satan's forces battle against you, but we've already won. We have already won because Jesus conquered him. And Satan only has as much power as you allow him to have. He doesn't have any power until you let him have it, until you give up, until you sit down and you allow him to have it. He doesn't have it. Now, I know sometimes it seems like he has all the power in the world. Get your word. He doesn't have any. He doesn't have any. But sometimes we get lose focus. We lose focus of the Lord. Uh, we have to press on. Uh, it's interesting, you know, Jesus used metaphors and uh, parables when he was here on earth. If you're not 
well, I don't know how you can watch the news and not get this, but the Lord is using football right now for metaphors. He's using that as an example to show the world what he can do. How many of you are aware of Tim Tebow? It started way back in Tim Tebow. It was in 2006 when Tim Tebow went to the NFL. How, what happened to him? He got made fun of, didn't he? He got made fun of. He got ridiculed. And I, if you don't know, he was a football player. He went for, I don't know, like six or eight different teams. And when he would pray, he would kneel and pray in the end zone. And they made fun of him. They just give him all kinds of trouble. But didn't make him lose his faith in God. Now, I think it hurt his career, but didn't make him lose faith in God. Okay? And then, what happened a couple of weeks ago with the Bills? I mean, God is there. And then the guy that's always on the football team has John 3.16 up there. You know, God is using football as a metaphor and as a parable on what he can do if you put your faith and trust in him. And one thing I liked about uh, the Bill's guy, uh, Damar, is when the uh, EMTs got around him, you know what they said? We just did what we were trained to do. What are we trained to do? What are we trained to do? But you know those EMTs, they can do it all back. They can do it with blindfolds because they went through it and went through it and went through it. A lot of times we don't even know where our Bible is, let alone what chapter or verse to look it up. But they did what they are trained to do. And I think God is saying, you need to be trained. You need to be trained. You need to be doing what God wants you to do. And pastor's been preaching on prayer And everything he's been preaching was right there on the TV for the whole world to see when the teams gathered around that guy. When they let all their differences down, they joined their faith and they prayed for him. But God had a a stage of people there that we can see what will happen when we join our faith together. When we join our faith together, the word of God is going to come to pass. But if we don't join our faith together, if we don't activate our faith, it isn't going to work. So when God uses an example as the football, and he just, it was just really interesting. There were even NFL announcers that prayed on the air. Now, how many, God's move, can you see the hand of God moving? Because there for a while, you couldn't even mention the name of God. But God said, I can show you. I mean, he didn't really say that. I said that. But he can show you. He can say what is going to happen. And he had this whole thing on television. And it was all over the place that God still answers prayer. And he has put Christian people that believe in the word of God, like the NFL announcer. He's put those people in these positions to carry forth. To carry forth what he wants to do. Okay, we're moving to the spiritual. Remember, everything in the natural has a spiritual foundation. Whenever you get to the red zone and you are able to cross that goal line spiritually, it means you're getting a closer walk with God, it means you pursue God. You aren't satisfied 
with the two-minute sermons. You aren't satisfied with little bits of scripture and Christian bumper stickers. When you cross over because you fought a hard fight. And it's not going to be, oh, didn't we do a good job? It's going to be, oh, glory, hallelujah. You're going to do a glory, hallelujah, because you have conquered that thing. You have no intentions of falling back, but you're moving forward. You know, I pray, Lord, help me to hear you whisper. Don't let me get so busy that I hear everything else except you. Help me to keep my ear tuned to you, that whenever you speak, I'm ready to go. Uh, having depth in your spirit is important, and you want God, you want to, uh, to connect with God. You, you're current, you're the current, or the next spiritual out, powerhouse, or the outhouse, powerhouse, causing demons to cower everywhere you go. You are that next person. You are the one that has to prepare for that. So where do you start your spiritual pursuit to higher ground? I thought about Nicole because you get on your face before God and you become totally honest about your spiritual condition. Then you know what? You have to be willing to change. And I don't, probably not a person in here likes change. I certainly don't. But you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to crucify yourself and the desires that you have and allow God to put his desires in you. We're going to talk a little bit about the children of Israel, which this is what Pastor Rowe thought about. The children of Israel was freed from Egypt. They were in the red zone. They had been crying out to God. They were slaves. They were eating the leeks and they were making the bricks out of mud or whatever it was. And they were in the red. They were tired and they were crying out to God. God said, okay, I'll I'll get you out. And you remember the Passover meal where he told them all what to eat. He told them all what to pray. He told them all to put the blood around the doorposts where the death angel came wouldn't get them. He gave them instructions for them to move out of where they were into the red zone. But they had to press. They had to press. In Exodus, the 14th chapter, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but in verse 1, now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp. Now, I would recommend that you go read this, the 14th chapter of Exodus because, you know, that's a story that you hear from the time you were little if you're in church, and you miss a lot of the details, and there's some really good details. But he told them to turn and camp, and he said, you shall camp before it by the sea. See, he had a purpose for them camping. He had a purpose for them camping by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. And see, that's how Satan will talk to you. He will talk to you that way. But the children of Israel, if it wasn't for Moses, would have probably caved in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. There are times when you get in a situation that you need to pour something to God so people will know that he is the Lord. That you didn't get out of that situation if it wasn't for God. That he supplied that need when it didn't look like you were going to have it. When he came in the middle of the night and, and uh, rescued you, he is going to be th- that he is the Lord. So the defense came out. The Pharaoh thought they had him, but the defense came out. When Pharaoh thought he had them, 
He made ready his chariots, took his army with him. This is verse 6 in case I didn't tell you that. And took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. He was coming after them. Have you ever felt like the devil had all that against you? Have you ever felt like all of the demons in hell was against you? Well, I have heard, I didn't say this, but I have heard this. Say, don't think so yourself so important because there's a lot of them around a lot of places. So you shouldn't, I'm kidding. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them and they feared, great, feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve him, the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, they had cried out to God. They had cried out to God for deliverance, hadn't they not? And he sent them away to get out. And then as soon as the first little thing came up, they turned against God and wanted to go back. You have to be careful of that when you're in the red zone. You have to be careful and you have to keep pushing forward. You have to keep your focus on God. You have to keep your eyes on the word. And you have to keep pushing forward because Satan will try and defeat you. I mean, that's his job. When it looks like you're going to be defeated... Watch your mouth and your mind. See, that's what happened to the children of Israel. Don't start talking and thinking defeat. Keep your words and the thinking on the word of God. But Moses, what a great quarterback Moses was. He would be a number one. He'd probably win the Heisman. I don't know if he was here. Because he was a leader. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you have only to be silent. The Lord will fight for you. Then, you know the rest of the story. The children of Israel went over on dry land, and then when Pharaoh and his armies come, he, uh, they got drowned. They were victorious in the red zone for a little bit. And you know what they did when they got across the Red Sea? Miriam grabbed the tambourine, and they started playing, and they started dancing. They started rejoicing because they had conquered the, their trial. They had went across that red zone, and they had scored a touchdown. Now, in uh, Luke 24, 49, uh, one thing in football, you only get four tries and you lose the ball. But with God, we fight till we win. Fight till we win. We do not give up. We keep fighting. We keep pushing. We get in the word. We get in prayer. We do not give in. We pray until we win. Um. Luke 24, 49, this is English standard. And behold, I'm sending the promise of my father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. 
I think Jesus was telling his disciples, boys, I have been with you for three years. I have taught you everything I know. I have told you what you need to do. Now, I have to, I must go to my father. But before, I'm not leaving you alone. Those are such good words. He has not leaving us alone. He's not here walking on the earth, but he's not left us alone. I will send the Holy Spirit to be with you 24-7. Through him, you have access to me and all of heaven. He will only say what I tell him to. He'll only say and do what Jesus, what he hears Jesus say and do. He's not on his own. He's, you know, he's under authority. And he, the Holy Spirit, and he hears what they tell him to say. There are many, many examples in the New Testament about the red zone. You know, when, uh, well, for one of the biggest red zones is when they went to the uh, upper room. When Jesus told them to go to the upper room and stay until they be endued. I mean, that was tough. It was probably hot and smelly and, you know, people getting on each other's nerves and all that kind of stuff. But they were right there at the red zone getting ready to cross over to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's when it was going to be poured out. They were in the red zone. And they did not fail. They stayed there until they were endued with power. And you know, after that, Peter and John was on their way to the temple. They were in the red zone. When they saw the guy, the beggar, sitting there at the thing, it's, oh, that was a time. Do I, do I help him or do I not? Do I give him silver and gold? Have I none such as I have given unto you? Do I do that? Or do I just kind of, you know, tiptoe around him and not help him? They were in the red zone. They had a decision to do what they had been prepared to do or they could walk around. And there, you know, there were so many times that uh, they were in the red zone. You know, they, the, uh, they were told not to share Jesus. They were told if they did, what would happen to them? They had a decision. They were in the red zone. Do I trust Jesus and God or do I trust them? Who do I trust? And we are in the same situation. Do you trust God? Do you trust what he's telling you to do? Or do you do the things that the world is saying for you to do? Sometimes it looks like they were going to fail. And oh, I I don't know if I got Paul in here or not, but I can't leave Paul out. Because, you know, he had many chances on the red zone. After he was knocked off his horse... And he turned to God. He had many times he was in the red zone. Do you know the epistles, the letters that he was written, that he wrote to the churches in the New Testament? He was in prison. He was in prison. He could have either written the letters to the to the churches to tell them what they need to do to shape up, or he could have let it go. He was in that red zone. What would have happened if he hadn't have went forward? What would have happened if he hadn't have done what God told him to do? So sometimes it looks like they were going to fail. But they didn't. Most of the letters of all those things, it looked like Paul was going to get um, knocked down. But you know, there was a time when Paul and Silas were in jail. They were shackled together. And it was at midnight. What'd they do? They started singing and praising God. If you were, if you were raised in church like I was, there's a song called Prayer Bells of Heaven. You guys are probably too young to hear that. But prayer bells of heaven, oh, how sweetly they ring. Bring us a message unto Jesus the King. Now, I don't know if those were the exact words that Paul and Silas sang, but it sounded good at the time. Okay, the, the gathering place is in the red zone right now as a church. God is saying, as you notice, the worship is getting, each Sunday gets a little bit higher. 
and a little bit higher and a little bit higher. And you, you all know, I think, that the book of Acts did not end. The book of Acts should be going on today. We should be healing those like Peter and John, the lame by the, the temple. But, you know, Peter and John had just left the upper room. They'd had an experience with God. But you know what? All the things that happened after that, they had to keep that experience going. They couldn't just say, oh, I got that done. I'll just sit down here and rest. They have to keep it going to get those things done. And we have such an opportunity, and I think that's what God wants. There are so many hurting people in the world. There are so many things that need to be, people need to be set free. But we need to get the power of God, not for us, period. I mean, it's not us. It's the power that worketh in us. It's the power that we allow God to use. It's the time that we push things back and start praying. It's the time that we give up what we want to do and spend time with the Lord or come to church or come to the prayer meeting or whatever. But the Lord spoke to me and said when I was Tuesday, you are in the red zone. But he came through. He came through just like he will come through you. But uh, you have personal red zones, and we have corporate red zones. And in your personal red zone, I don't know what your personal red zone is, but you know, and God knows, and you know that Satan doesn't want you to conquer and to go over and make that complete. And I hate to tell you, well, I don't hate to tell you this, I'm going to tell you anyway, because whenever you get one victory, you know, when in football, when they make a touchdown, what happens? They kick that ball off again, and we have to start all over. And then you have to keep pressing, and you have to keep pressing. And that's the same thing spiritual. We never arrive. Whenever we get one victory, God says, oh, that was really good. Now I've got this for you to do. When God says, okay, that was great that you prayed for that person and they were healed. Now I've got this over here for you to do. And we never arrive. Sometimes we get lazy. You may not. I do. I get lazy and I think, oh, well, I think I'll take a nap. But you know, God wants us to move forward. And we are in the, air, the red zone. We need to recognize what is happening in the corporate body and in our individual lives. Because I don't know. I'm fine. You know that. And I don't know if I have ever in my life experience the division in families. I don't know if I've ever known families that don't speak. Families that don't care that something's happening. But you know what? That's prophetic because God said it would be that in the last days. Mother against daughter, son against father. He said that that would happen. But I believe in your personal red zone, you can take authority over that. In your personal red zone, you can take authority over anything that the world throws at you. You have authority over that through the blood of Jesus and the word of God. But you have to do it. You have to do it. And so you have your own personal red zone. Sometimes it's finances. And good good grief. (laughs) Whoever thought that eggs would be $5 a dozen? And it's not only eggs, it's utilities, it's everything. Okay, you can be in that red zone, you know, for finances. God still, 
the God of the finances. He's still your provider. He's still the one that will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But you have to push through that. When Satan comes at you and tries to keep you from crossing that line, you got to say, devil, get behind me because the Lord of God, the Jesus, he conquered you in hell and I have authority over you. He gave me the authority to take over you and I'm taking it. So get out of the way. I am going to move forward. I am going to have my needs supplied. I am going to do what God wants me to do. Now, I've asked several people to come up here, and they have no magic in their hand. I know you might think some of them are, but they have no magic in their hands. What they are going to do is they're going to join their faith with your faith. If you are in the red zone and you're battling something, and you need someone to stand with you, you need that defensive team to stand up against the wiles of the devil, you come up here and they will pray for you. They will stand with you, and they will see God, the salvation of the Lord, come. And even whatever it is, you can tell them what it is, or you don't have to tell them what it is. But God will see you through if you stand faithful to God. So if you guys want to come on up here, if you have a personal red zone that you are in, that you want the Lord, you want the help of the defensive teams, and you want them to stand against them with you, I want you to come forth. Because when we get done, if there's nobody come forth, you know what we're going to do? We're going to stand for the gathering place. We're going to stand in that red zone for the gathering place to see what God has for us to do. So if you want to come up and have prayer, I invite you up to come up now to have prayer. The McKenna's here for the young people because young people... Well, I don't know if they have any more than we do now anymore. I mean, we have a lot too. But... We need to stand together. So if you wouldn't mind standing and, and praying. And if you have, if you have, you're in the red zone and you want forces to be with you. If you want God's leading and guiding and, and help, I want you to uh, come up and pray. Lord, we just thank you today that you are faithful to your word. We thank you, God, that there is nothing that you don't already know about. Every trial that we come against, Lord, you knew about it. And I thank you, God, that you never leave us or you never forsake us, that you stay with us, God, through it all. Even when we fail, God, you're right there with us to pick us up. And, Lord, I just pray this morning for individuals, Lord, that's in a red zone, that's pushing to get victory in some area of their life. I pray, God, that you strengthen them today. I pray, God, that you strengthen them today. I pray, God, that you move in their life. I pray, God, that you give them wisdom, that you give them godly wisdom. I pray, God, that you lead them and guide them and direct them, oh God. Draw them to you, Lord. Put people around them, Lord, that can give them the word of God. Put people in their paths, God, that will point them to you. I just pray, God, this morning as we go and we fight, it's a battle. But, Lord, the Bible says, if you look on the last page, we win. We win. Satan tries to defeat us. But when we stay faithful to you, God, we win. And, Lord, we just pray this morning that you, oh, God, would have your way. 
we pray, God, that you would have your way. Give them strategies, Lord. Give them strategies. Give them strategies, Lord. Help them, oh God, to work in your name, Jesus. In your name, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.